0: Hello, Gabe. Hello. How are you?
1: Oh, I feel great today.
0: Welcome to the Katie Halper Show. I'm your host, Katie Halper, and I'm always joined by...
1: Gabriel Pacheco.
0: Gabriel Pacheco. Great friend. Great person. By the way, I want everyone to know that Gabe, as listeners know, Gabe is of the Greek-Mexican persuasion, and he is sitting here with a shirt that says... "As." Let me see. Move. Uh, Aztec... Aztec holidays, and it has a picture of a um, an Aztec man uh, stabbing a sacrificial victim. Is that how you call it? Yeah, uh, in the heart with a kind of knife. Uh, It's a callback, if you will, to the Aztecs.
1: Stabbing one of the chosen people, one of the honored.
0: (laughs) Yeah, one of the honored. Oh, yeah, yeah. Did you see that movie, Apocalypto?
1: Loved Apocalypto. People hated it because it was Mel Gibson, but I gotta say, uh, beautiful cinematography uh, using uh, real indigenous uh, people um, and uh, filming it entirely in their own language uh, with no English. So that was just uh, groundbreaking. So sure, you know, maybe he didn't get all the facts right but uh, he did a better job than anyone else making uh, fictional adventure movies set in Mesoamerica.
0: And this, just so people know, this is a movie from 2006. As the Mayan Kingdom faces its decline, the rulers insist the key to prosperity is to build more temples and offer human sacrifices. Jaguar Paw, a young man captured for sacrifice, flees to avoid his fate. Was it very racist?
1: No. Not really racist. I think one of the big um, conflicts was between city life and uh, a small town, small village life, and he definitely favored the idea of small towns over over cities.
0: Reminds me of that um, John Cougar Mellencamp song. Oh, Cougar, interesting. Could be a Mayan character's name. About a small town. I was born in a small town.
1: Yeah, yeah. Small town mouse goes to the big city and almost gets sacrificed. Yeah. And uh, then he escapes, and the the hunted becomes the hunter. Nice. I so like that's it. that's the twist. It's a great action movie. Uh, don't pay attention to the ideology underneath. But I've been listening to Struggle Sessions, which you were recently on. Yeah. And uh, those guys are great because they um they they make it okay to embrace pop culture. Uh, you know, uh, for what it is, and uh, all of our favorite stuff is um,
2: problematic.
0: is
1: problematic because uh, every piece of art is constructed and created uh, within the dominant hegemonic ideology of capitalism. Right. So, what Can't are you gonna throw do? Throw them all out. Yeah, uh, we're all we we all have the the cops in our heads, the patriarchy. We all have sexism, racism, all of these different structural systemic problems just swimming around up in there. So the artist is is never gonna make a perfect piece of work. Right. And you can appreciate the work for uh, what it gets right.
0: I like that. Uh, By Uh, the way, Struggle (laughs) Session is a podcast, a new podcast, hosted by Jonathan Daniel Brown, Jack Allison, and Leslie Lee. And uh, Leslie Lee, listeners may remember, he's done our show, and he is the creator of Bernie Made Me White, that hashtag, which made fun of the erasure of people of color who support Sanders.
1: And he was on one of our live shows.
0: He was on one of our live shows. He So, was, yeah.
1: what a pleasure. What a pleasure. Great and guy. That's the type of stuff that you get. That's the type of quality qu- content you get when you come to the live shows.
0: So, I did their show. Gabe, you're going to do their show at some point. Oh,
1: my gosh. I can't wait. Yeah.
0: I'll link to them on, uh, in our Patreon. Hit
1: because... me up, guys. Slide in my DMs. Yeah, I'll come do your up show. Yeah, slide in his
0: DMs. Yeah. Um, anyway, anything else you want to talk about, Gabe? No, I'm good. All right. Hello and welcome to the Katie Helper Show. I'm your host, Katie Helper. You can hear the Katie Helper Show every Wednesday at 7 p.m. on WBAI. That's 99.5 FM or WBAI.org. On this episode, we talk to journalist Rula Jabril. Make sure you save the date for our next live taping, and that date is December 7th. It will be 8 p.m. at the Brooklyn Commons at 388 Atlantic Avenue, and we will be having guests Kath Barbato and Judah Friedlander we'll be talking to comedians about the sexual harassment and sexual assault problem that exists all over in every industry, but also within the comedy scene, because sadly, there's a lot to talk about there. Again, that's 388 Atlantic Avenue, December 7th. And make sure you become Patreon supporters at patreon.com slash the Katie Helper Show. Again, that's patreon.com slash the Katie Helper Show because you'll be able to listen to all sorts of great bonus episodes and bonus content for this week. It's some excerpts from a discussion between Norman Finkelstein and Todd Gitlin about freedom of speech and assembly after Charlottesville. Today we have a great show, guys. Fabulous show. On this episode, we talked to journalist Rula Jabril. She's a foreign policy analyst, a journalist, a novelist, and a screenwriter. She was born in Haifa, raised in Jerusalem, went to college in Bologna, and now lives in Rome where she lives with her daughter, Miral, and she teaches at the American University in Rome. She's been a popular television commentator in both Italy and the United States. She's appeared a lot on MSNBC. Her first novel, Miral, was made into a film by that same name, directed by Julian Schnabel. How long have you been in Rome, by the way?
2: A year, almost. A year. Did you like it? September, that? very much so. I, I mean, you remember my article in the Washington Post predicting Trump victory? No, I oh don't. My God. I, I compared him to see. Berlusconi. It was in 2016, a year before the election. Um, I basically said he will win the elections and he's exactly like Berlusconi. He will do all the shitty things that Berlusconi did. Let me open Corruption, that up. Uh, abuse of power. It's in the Washington Post. Rula Gibral, Trump is, um, is America's Berlusconi. Wow, okay. And then I realized, okay, he's winning. I moved to Italy and then he won. So I'm not surprised by any of this. We've seen this in many many countries. I mean.
0: And Rula, you are up to so many interesting, fascinating, important things. Can you tell us what you're doing right now? Um, what you have been doing and what's next for you?
2: Well, I've been working with the American University of Rome and we basically started um, a program for Syrian refugees, for women who are orphans mainly. And uh, I realized that the refugee crisis is not going anywhere, and the world is, and people were abusing and using the refugees. I remember uh, President Trump talking about the refugees as they were snake and existential threat and, and uh, security threat and dehumanizing them. And, uh, and then they would come to Europe, they would be abused and discriminated against. That's why, with American University and Richard Hodges, the president, we decided to inaugurate this program for Syrian girls. Uh, I, w- I am in charge of that program. Uh, sadly, my year is. Is up. I'll be still in charge of the program, but I'm going to be teaching at Miami University starting October this year.
0: Great. And so you're going to be kind of
2: uh, involved in that program which is in Rome. I will be overseeing the program in right. Rome. Uh, so far, the Italian government has been incredibly supportive to this program but also we have amazing donors who came, you know, who, uh, people came to me in the streets actually and at some uh, conferences it was like, what can we do about the refugee?" I've been reporting about Syria uh, since the beginning of the Arab Spring, since 2011.
0: Um, and how do you find these Syrian young women in, um, what's the criteria? Are they a certain age, and how do they? Are they in Italy already? Do you bring them over? No, 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 over? no.
2: I go. I travel. I go. I went to Beirut, uh, Lebanon, to all the refugee camps. Obviously, uh, I am. I coordinate whether with American University in Beirut or whether NGOs or or uh, UN organizations who are working on the ground. We go to schools. I asked them, you know, I asked schools, especially the high schools who graduated this year, who are the top girls. And basically, we post online uh, uh, an ad about this scholarship program and we give a test. We give a test to almost 400 kids, girls and boys, but mainly girls. Uh, And we selected the best. We thought that they were the most equipped. You know, Katie, I think we have a responsibility to build citizens around the world. And this can happen only through education. Uh, As you know, my story, my personal story, I couldn't have been the woman that I am today without a school, without education. Victor Hugo used to say, if you open a school, you close a jail. My parents died when I was very young. I was raised in an orphanage. And if it wasn't for that one opportunity, I couldn't have been the independent woman, uh, you know, critical thinker. I couldn't have been owned my own destiny and and reshaped my own destiny so what what are the American University, and I think every institution, should start this kind of program where they open their doors because one day the Syrian war will end and you will need people to build that country. And if you want to think about your national security and about your stability, about counter-radicalization and counter-extremism, these are the people you need to invest in now before it's too late because the refugees are looking at us. And most of these refugees were asking me, women, children, where, why... Why are people not coming to help us? And when I think of the Holocaust and the history of the Holocaust, our generation spend their lifetime thinking, how could the world have allowed this to happen? You know where we found the answers? In Syria. So um, what do you think the solution is with Syria? What should the US government do? What should other governments be doing? Not what Trump is doing. Because basically what he did is gave up on on Syria big time. he, you know, bombed, you remember, in March, that cosmetic uh, right. bombardment uh, just to show that he's, uh, he's a man, a yeah, real right. man, and he can do something. He did nothing. He basically gave the whole country to Putin. Putin is already in charge. Uh, Assad is here to stay, and he's winning. Uh, so the winners of that war are the Assad criminal regime who murdered half a million people and probably gassed, um, you know, at least— uh, 20,000 people, at least, uh, imprisoned half the country, uh, created the worst refugee crisis in the history, basically opened the door for and paved the way for ISIS and radicals. Uh, the second victor here, we have Putin, who basically put a foot in the Middle East and Mm -hmm. he's not leaving. He took Latakia and Tartus, the two naval bases, and he's there to stay. The third is Iran. So if you look at the Middle East and you think in terms of stability, there's no stability in the Middle East because for a generation, the people that were oppressed will rise again and will rise again and basically will want anybody to save them, even if that body is called ISIS, Al-Qaeda, or whatever radical group. So we're looking at instability for decades. Uh, What should we do? I think at least as a civil society, I have no faith in governments anymore. I mean, I talk to European uh, parliamentarians, diplomats. They all know what are the issues, but they're not willing to do anything mm-hmm. because it's costly politically, because to touch, to say that you are, you are willing to do something with the refugees, you might have a right-wing, right. basically populist movement. say so you are, you're basically uh, selling us down and you're opening the door to radicals. So it's and a, they're going to rape our women rape and, our, and, uh, exactly, and live off of clichés. the welfare state. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So what we can do as a civil society, and I hope, uh, whether it's Google or Tesla or any of these guys, do whatever it takes to save these kids. Open schools. Uh, I think Amal Clooney and George Clooney are opening 13 oh, yeah. schools in, in Lebanon and other people. You know, even if you don't have to open schools, you don't have to be that wealthy. Do something simple. For example try to find anybody in the NGOs give them money so c- they can educate a boy or a girl locally in Beirut in Lebanon in Jordan in Turkey wherever you find these 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 you know good NGOs What's try yours? to help Where, them. what's your uh, the website for yours do you have one yet it's american university of okay. rome uh, scholarship for syrian refugees Great. that's the website of, of, uh, of our scholarships look i uh, actually um, uh, I was not paid by the American University. I decided to put all my salary this year yeah. back into oh, that wow. program. I, I just—I was not going to do this. I was going to do this only in one condition. This is a humanitarian effort for me. And this is invest, investing in the future generations. This is, for me, is giving back to – I was given a scholarship by the Italian government in the 90s. And this is giving back and investing back in, in our world. So, do you think? I mean, a big debate here is what should be done
0: in terms of whether the U.S. should intervene at all in Syria. What do you think of that? Um, I think that there's like, we can it's all. It's too late. It's too late. Okay. It's too
2: late. It's too late. Too little to everything. Uh, Assad has won, and uh, the Syrian forces that are in place uh, basically are um, shattered. Right. And the only left ones. Remember when JFK used to say, those who uh, crushed uh, yes. peaceful revolution, yep. basically pave the way, or make violent revolution in, right. I- inevitable. Or who crush uh, reform or something. Exactly. Peaceful who reform, right. Peaceful reforms yes. and, and re- uh, revolutions basically make uh, violent revolution inevitable. Right. This is what happened in Syria. This is exactly what happened in Syria. So, But also, it's if you follow what Hannah Arendt talked about in the origin of totalitarianism, what she talked about was, basically, these strong men choose these topics, choose The dark man, the threat, and who is the threat today? The threat are Muslims, uh, dark uh, men who wants to rape our women, as you said, who wants to take over our world, wants our money and our jobs, and wants to invade our countries and and all of these basically nonsense. This is what they did, these strong men, waved the card of, like, you have this threat. Let me deal with it. Let me crush it. And and when you are basically too scared to intervene, you allow these guys to do whatever criminal actions. And you are not only neutral, you're complicit right. because you're watching with total inaction and thinking, oh, because I'm scared to do anything, now I will allow this strong man to take over. And what they are doing, they're creating a worse problem for all of us. Mm.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess my, my thing, and we've talked about this before, but it's like I'm always afraid of, even if there's a horrible person in power, I never trust the U.S. intervention.
2: Um, I agree with right? you. So, and I think this is what happened in Iraq, yes. basically. L- l- let's be honest. What happened in Iraq is basically destroyed the possibility of ever an intervention on a humanitarian base. Destroyed it, because it was not a humanitarian base. It was a war of choice based on a lie, mass, uh, weapon right. of mass destruction, and basically based on an idea. The idea was very basic, but it was very racist. These brown people, again, these are Arabs, they are Muslims, they are somehow mean. I think 60 percent of Americans thought that Saddam Hussein and Al Qaeda were exactly. were together, right. and they had nothing to do right. with each other. And it's only because and the, the braces, media played yeah. a huge role because York of Times, the rate, basically all of them, CNN, everybody, yeah. everybody. And it's it, it's heartbreaking because it basically killed our possibility to convince our public opinion, look, we have a responsibility to intervene and protect. We have that responsibility, we have to use it. If we don't use it, guess what? You will have genocide, yeah. you will have radicals, you will have extremists, you will have massive rape campaigns and, and you will have the biggest refugee crisis of all times if you don't intervene for humanitarian reason. But because the Bush administration did the Iraq war, it basically allowed Assad to do what he did mm. after. And that's why we need to be careful what kind of war Where There's a war of choice and war of necessity. These are the two choices we have. Right,
0: and of course people were like, oh yeah, uh, Osama bin Laden and Saddam Hussein, they're working so, together, even though one was a fundamentalist and one was a secular Ba'athist. They had
2: nothing to do with each other. I mean, I remember reading in The Atlantic also some articles... Uh, I mean, s- some of these, these journalists are now editor-in-chiefs and some of them are working for the New York Times and other networks. And I was like, uh, well, our credibility was lost yeah. as a media organization during the Iraq war. The lies over lies. But they, are, they came from one place. And it's a racist place. It's a place that these other brown hordes are here to basically, all of them are a demographic threat and are to kill us. And this is a serious problem.
1: Right, and uh, this uh, this idea, I was thinking about the Muslim ban when you brought this up in the United Absolutely. States, and uh, how. It's banning people from specific countries that have never committed acts of terrorism.
2: Agreed. Uh, and, and the country that the... committed act of terrorism actually are not included right. on that list. Saudi Arabia, <laughs> right. uh, the Emirates, people who were had members uh, in the 9... Uh, 15 right. of the hijackers were Saudis, two were Emiratis, one was Egyptian. None of these countries are there. President Trump recently said the biggest threat to our national security is Pakistan, Afghanistan. Da. Well, none of these countries had their—they never—they are not on the Muslim ban. Yeah. So you
0: get—it's like a loophole. If you've committed—if you're actually a threat or if you've committed terrorism, you don't get on the ban.
2: But but enough if you pay for it. Enough if you pay for your access. I mean, when you hear that— what the Saudis are paying every law firm in Washington, D.C. and New York, every lobbyist firm, what the Emiratis are doing. And then you realize, oh, okay, then our foreign policy is bent to the words, the checkbooks of the richest and right. the most
0: evil. Do you, so, what is a war not of choice? Like you said, there's a war of choice and then there's a war of necessity. necessity.
2: Wh- I think Rwanda, intervening in Rwanda to save and to end a civil war and the genocide was the right call. Uh, it was late. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. I think Bosnia when the genocide was taking place and Milosevic and Mlads were killing a bunch of people and basically going from town to town and raping. There was mass rape campaign. I mean, who raped women actually are white Christian men right, not, in the heart yeah. of Europe in the 90s, yeah. and they raped 50,000 women. Why? Because they were Muslim. Right. So when they talk about rape, let's remember the history. Who raped who and when was that in the name of what? And this is what's not told in America. This is what breaks my heart. There's a part of a narrative and a story that was never told. why we never teach history in this country? Right. What kind of history we are going to teach? Why CNN never has one one Muslim commenter or, or opinion maker We have African Americans rightly so, and Latinos right. and others. we don't have a Muslim one. Somebody has to explain to me why. Why? We have a Muslim ban. We have Islamophobia, discrimination against Muslim. Muslim are being killed and shot and and imprisoned, you know, and and attacked everywhere and Sikhs because they look Muslim and all of that. And then you have all these racist thugs on air on every network claiming and justifying these act of and whitewashing these criminal acts. And And there's no representation, no representation, none whatsoever. Reza, as, uh, Re, uh, Reza Aslan was fired because he called President Trump, uh, I think somewhere. Yeah, but, I mean, uh, look, but that was
0: one. Uh, that, you used to be, but I
2: haven't seen. I never, you lately. I never worked. Uh, I, I appear on CNN. Um, yeah. but I, I, don't. I'm not. Uh, oh, okay. unre- a contributor, I mean, right, I'm right, not right. a contributor, right, right, yeah. But I'm not been a contributor since 2014, if you remember, for my criticisms of the how we handled as a media. Uh, the Israeli issue. Uh, okay. During so. the Gaza war, the latest Gaza war, 2014, I said, our coverage is biased and beyond biased. Look, it's not me talking, it's studies that we've done in Harvard, Yale, and every every school, and obviously the media is very sensitive Uh Look, I, I think what President Trump is doing is disgusting by calling the media, especially j- journalists and reporters, traitors. They hate their country, calling them all kind of names. And I think it's it basically it's incitement. And I'm really concerned about our fellow colleagues working in the media. However, we have a responsibility to examine our failure, whether it's Iraq or the way we report about Israel and discrimination around certain areas. And we should talk about it openly. Right. And self-criticism actually can help
0: us to improve. I have to say, as a Jew, a secular Jew, I call myself a Bernie Jew because a secular lefty Jew. But I don't like it when that happens, when people criticize um, Israel, which I do all the time and we do a lot. But when you see someone criticizing Israel and then they get shut down or they get banned, they get kicked off TV, I'm like, don't you realize, guys, you're Ugh. fulfilling the stereotype of our running the media and not allowing any criticism? <laughs> I mean, I know, but it's true. It's like that. I mean, people are worried about anti-Semitism. Like the way we enable Israel and the way we shut down criticism of Israel, that's not doing Jews any favors.
2: Like, Look, I am an Israeli citizen, right? yeah. by the way. Uh, I am ethnically Palestinian. I'm a Muslim woman. I have a Catholic daughter and I used to be married to an American Jew. So if anybody wants to... You're like Al-Andalus. Exactly. So, I I mean... If you have to pin down on, if you think my motivations are driven by my ethnicity, then right. you have to justify my marriage or right, 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 my, my course, daughters. Yeah. Like, it doesn't make sense. Uh, I mean, it's it's uh, basically the burden of proof is on these these right. people who think that my motivation driven by these things. But I believe in democracy. And I believe in basically the rule of law. And on the fact that we were born equal, all of us, regardless Uh, Our ethnicity under the law of humanity and in the eyes of gods, whatever god you believe in. But one of the reasons why I anti-Semitism in Europe, and I attended college there, one of the main reasons why I am a deep believer in in democracy but also in criticism, because that improves democracy, uh, is... European Jews wanted to be seen first and foremost as citizens, not as Jews. If we start labeling people as Jew and non-Jew and Muslim and black and Latino, whatever, you know what we're doing? Basically, our ethnicity and religion is trumping democracy and citizenship. And that is a shame. That is basically how you destroy democracy. Mm. Uh, We need to push the media to understand that criticism and self-criticism is so important. And without it, we can never improve. Never. Never. And what do you think... Um,
0: a lot of people compare Netanyahu to Trump. What do you think of that comparison?
2: Oh, I I, I, I actually compared uh, Netanyahu to, to, to Trump and to Berlusconi, Berlusconi right. in Italy, who I met and interviewed uh, oh, multiple wow. times. Uh, look... Um, Boomba, it's boomba, bunga, bunga. Bunga, bunga, yeah. The, the, the women, the misogyny and sexism. Um, I don't know if Netanyahu has that aspect in him. I don't I think, think he has. I think he does. I a Yeah, harassment right. claim. I think he had an affair. And all, like, but uh, uh, look, the personal, personal sure. side. Sure, unless it's, unless it's, right. I don't care it's, unless I don't, if it's consensual. Me I don't, Yeah, exactly. Uh, me, me neither. Yeah. Honestly, me neither. But I care about another thing. Uh, both men, Netanyahu and, and Trump, have the same racist discriminatory views. Uh, Netanyahu, remember during the last election in 2015 when he went and he said Arabs are, are, uh, are bussing Arabs to vote in droves. What he was talking about, he was talking about demographic threat, he was talking about my family, uh, my, my community, who believed in democracy and wanted to vote for the Israeli government. It's like, imagine, they they claim first, oh, they don't recognize us Israel. Uh, they don't recognize Israel. And then when they, when Palestinian citizens go out there and vote, it's like, oh, they're driving in... They're busing them and drove, and they are like, so what are you doing? You're inciting against them. Center to his agenda is a, a, a series of policies and laws that are to discriminate and push aside all kind of um, Palestinians from participating in the public life. The threshold, when they raise this threshold as parties, it's just to exclude Arab from the Knesset and from the parliament. So when Trump talk about illegal Three million illegal people voted. What is he talking about exactly? Like brown people like myself and, and others who arrived legally to this country. And were naturalized and went and vote voted. Right. This is what he's talking about. When he's talking about Latinas and and the judge inability to, to perform because he's a Latino because of right. his ethnicity. These are the kind of racist things. When he pardoned that <gasps> Sharon, we were talking about that. A yeah. during Harkin, where people were dying, that was his priority number one, to basically unrelease release a guy, pardon a guy that was accused of four or five things. One of them running a concentration camp. Yeah. Two. Putting a woman while she was giving birth, uh,
0: shackling, ba- her, shackling
2: yeah. her to bed, uh, third terrorizing Latina community, racial profiling, and the guy is proud of that. Yeah. and he's like, oh, he's a strong man. Yeah, you know, he's strong on borders and illegal immigration. This is not being strong. This is being a thug. Right. These are two separate things. Also, letting go all these rapists. If
0: he's so strong exactly. on law and order, exactly, he, like, he his did resources. not care about rapists. Yeah.
2: If the rapist was a white guy. But yeah. Bibi Netanyahu does not care about anti-Semitism if you don't challenge him on settlement. If you're yeah. an anti-Semitic and neo-Nazi and you don't challenge him on, on settlements, he does not give a damn what you care. So he really doesn't care about Jewish people around the world. That's what's so and shocking, this is what, scares, not what is time, scary yeah. because you care about a settlement enterprise, illegal settlement that oppresses people in the occupied territories. And you don't care about the well-being and the safety of the Jewish community. Guess what? I care. As a Palestinian woman who who was married to a Jew, who has deep roots in Israel, I care. And this is not going to happen under our watch.
0: So to me, it seems like Netanyahu is like the soft-spoken, slick... Trump. Like he doesn't wear it on his sleeve the same way that Trump does. Although with We drones, don't
2: translate his, his Hebrew. I mean, if you listen oh, to him in Hebrew, is it really, I mean, the yeah. things that comes out of her his, his mouth. But, but he's a style, style, right? Yes. Like his aesthetic, yes. right?
0: He's not, he's not, he's an undercover, he's yes. a closeted thug. Whereas Trump wears his thuggery Listen, how he,
2: li, remember how he treated President Obama. When yeah. President Obama yeah. was in office, he arrived there and he put his, fi- whacked his finger yes. in his face. That's the president of the United States right. that was giving you aid, millions, billions of dollars to protect you and, and, and to save you and to keep you the strongest and give you, the, you know, a stronger edge militarily. And you're treating him, why? Because he's a black man who happened to have a Muslim father. Right. Let's not, remember when, when President Obama was in Egypt giving in 2009 his speech about democracy, the rule of law, about empowerment and inspiring, and telling the Muslim world, We're not in war with you, but with radicals. We want to be your allies. You know what Bibi was doing? He was having a meeting with his cabinet, like, How do we deal with this threat? That's what he was doing. He saw President Obama as not an ally, but as the demographic threat that doesn't want ever to happen in his homeland. Because imagine, God forbid, a black man or woman from Muslim origin that can become president or prime minister of Israel. I mean, this is Israel is becoming more and more an ethno-religious project of exclusion and purity. And this is scary. Right.
0: I mean it, the funny thing is Obama wasn't even that different from other presidents in terms of Israel Palestine Well, he was black he was and black. He has a Him father as, right. <laughs>
2: and he talked father. about and it he talked more about fairly. equality yes. yeah. and he walked uh, dignity and right. decency For Palestinians. and he was exactly he never did anything to challenge Bibi basically yeah, except talking irony. about like right. can you please restrain yourself when it comes to settlements he did the Iran deal though which was an incredible shift because he realized the Iraq war was lost for the Americans but was won by the Iranians mm-hmm. and the balance of power in the region was shifting and he needed to change it also uh, diplomatically and right. he did and yeah. Bibi lost it
1: Yeah no I was just going to say the idea that uh, it's uh to reiterate it's the optics for Israel to see uh like Obama looks like a future that they don't they want th-
2: they fear, they right, fear. not all israelis it. but the, right. the
1: netanyahu's um, party
2: but not only I, I would say the overwhelming majority of israelis who voted for him the last yeah. election was clear the signals are clear uh, they don't see palestinians are not as partner They don't see them as human beings. They don't see them. They see them as animals to get rid of. So if you can do whatever martial laws to control their lives, shoot them, uh, imprison them. I mean, the soldier that shot a man that was injured on the ground, injured, he got a year and a half. I mean, in what country? I'm
0: surprised he got anything, honestly. But But. because he was filmed. Right. Remember, the
2: guy that filmed him. Till now he's getting death threats. Uh, I think his relatives were arrested, um, uh, intimidated over and again. They destroyed a school built by the UN, a school for children of Bedouins, three days ago, that built a school. I mean, how can a country like Israel, that was created after 19, in 1940, established in 1948, that it's a betrayal of the Declaration of Independence talk about equal rights for all our inhabitants, regardless gender? ethnicity and religion they are betraying that declaration of independence of people who fought and survived the holocaust and built a country a country that was supposed to be the shining city in the hill of the whole middle east now we are becoming another tribe so it's interesting
0: because there is this article i'm sure you and i know you guys have heard about this story but um after charlottesville um there was a, uh, an interview with Ayub Kara, who was the communications minister, minister in Israel. Yes. And he said— defender defend Trump. Yeah, he said, due to the terrific relations with the—this was an interview with the Jerusalem uh, Post, which is pretty conservative. Due to the re- terrific relations with the U.S., we need to put the declarations about the Nazis in the proper— Proportion. We need to condemn anti Semitism and any trace of Nazism, and I will do what I can as a minister to stop its spread. But Trump is the best U.S. leader Israel has ever had. His relations with the Prime Minister of Israel are wonderful. And after enduring the terrible years of Obama, Trump is the unquestioned leader of the free world, and we must not accept anyone harming him.
2: Yeah. Uh, okay. Enduring. Enduring. <laughs> enduring. That yeah, I know. You. That word is uh, basically tell you everything enduring a black president you remember when one of the wife of the minister i think shalomo who was defense minister who said uh yeah we don't like obama because he's black i don't i like my coffee like obama he's black and weak oh my gosh Uh, and, and these racist jokes over and again look at the treating basically the refugees who come from africa look how. i mean it it pains Cuba. me. It pains me to see my country that fled discrimination and racism, uh, my mm. people who fled discrimination, racism, genocide in Europe to go and build basically a system that discriminate against others and celebrate a man who had white supremacists and neo-Nazis, basically who defended neo-Nazis, who was Donald Trump and had white supremacists in government. Gorka, uh, Bannon, and basically Stephen Miller. The, are we really seriously? History books will judge these people as evil. And this guy will go on the record as somebody who was in the government of Israel defending defending Trump as leader of the free world? No, he's not the leader of the free world. The, what? Even Mattis, General Mattis. I will never forget Mattis who said another thing to the troops, who said, guys, try to hold the line because we are the last... Somehow, what he was talking about, we are the last people holding the line of civilization, try to stand up to American values. Who are the people that condemned uh, President Trump's remarks about neo-Nazis? All the militaries, every head of a military and agency, security, condemned him. And guess what? Israel is defending him. Right. And the GOP. Israel, who was
0: founded in large part because of anti-Semitism, right? Mm Exactly.
2: Exactly. I mean, I think... The father founders of Israel would be turning in their graves right. and they would hear this guy speaking. I,
0: I didn't know that. so Kara who said this is a member he's Druze. I didn't know this. A member of the Druze community.
2: Um Uh well which, I'm I'm not surprised because then uh basically what you do there's there's a mindset in Israel uh, that if you want to be part of the system, you have to speak the language of the system. Uh, when Netanyahu spoke candidly during the election about these Arabs, you know, right. uh, in droves, bussy, being bused in droves to go to vote, so go outside and outvote them, otherwise they will take over our country. When his minister, Liberman, talked about Arabs being terrorists and thugs and, and talks about banning them, by right. cutting their businesses, deporting them legally, cutting their heads—didn't he say something about cutting, cutting exactly, their heads? Exactly, cutting off. their yeah. heads, uh, and and sterilizing their their men, so we will have another, you know less children and less babies. When you have member of parliament, uh, I think he was a speaker of the, a while ago of this parliament, who his wife refused to give birth in the same ward with an Arab woman. When you build those, basically a school only because Arab kids go to that school, what country are we living in? What do we call that country? So is he like an the only un- democracy in the Middle East? No, it's not the only democracy. It lost that claim. Is he like a
0: Clarence Thomas? Like the Jews? Because Jews are not Jews, right? Is that like is that like a token? So we have a non-Jew exactly.
2: uh, carrying our water. Absolutely. I mean, when you have it validates you when you have somebody else right. from a minority group repeating the same propaganda, rhetoric, and hate rhetoric. You know, one of the funny things that recently was written in her arts, I think, where where um, b- basically people were talking about uh, what kind of country do we have, and this woman wrote a, a book that was banned from, from the country, a book that is banned, because she talked about her love story with an Arab man. She's a Jewish, she's an Arab. They banned, the Ministry of Education banned the book. I mean, when you arrive to that level of discrimination, right. when you have segregated Overt, schools, so over, segregated yeah. roads, segregated cities, when you have laws to cement that segregation, so of course normality is is abnormal, and normality becomes a threat.
1: Can we get that book on Audible? Yes. Okay.
2: We can get that book on Audible. We should, we should
1: to do that a reading. Everywhere. We should
0: do a reading. Let's do a, a reading. reading. So um, what do you think about... Oh, by the way, I made, I'm looking for it. I made a video where I took... Um, Netanyahu's video about the Arabs coming out in droves, and I just made it like blacks are coming out in droves, and I made Likud Republicans and Labor Democrats, so it made <coughs> it like to show what this would sound like, absolutely in the That's United States.
2: That's um, right. So people, when people defend Israel in the United States, they, know, they need to understand what they are defending. They are defending basically not democracy, not um not save the safety of Jews they are demand, defending a very radical extreme right wing that wants segregated country right. o- not only for only for Jews for Jews who believe as they are and say what they want and if you are critical believe me if you are a critical Jew they will treat you as an enemy and as a threat
1: can we look at it as uh, comparable to apartheid in South America uh, South Africa or
2: I think we are heading there, and I think two prime ministers warned about about that: Ehud Barak and Ehud Olmert. Uh, I met Ehud Olmert and I met Ehud Barak, both of them, and I talked to uh, Ehud Olmert. Which bunch Ehud of was times. better? <laughs> um, well, you know, Ehud battle. Were, uh, both of them basically said we're heading towards apartheid. This is the country. And look, Netanyahu came yesterday. I said we are not stopping the, bil- the settlement building. We will keep uh, building. Even Kushner, who was sent there, he said to Abbas, the president of the authority, who was a mayor basically of, of Ramallah, said we will never stop building. I'm fine with it. You want the whole country, take it then give me equal rights. Give me equal rights and equal representation and one man and one vote because I want to live in a democratic state. I don't want to live in an ethnocratic state that see people as inferior and superior. This is not the country we fought for and we want to... we want to live in. I don't want my daughter who's Catholic who had a basically a, a Muslim mother and a black Muslim mother and, and a father who's Italian and, and Catholic to think that this is normal. This is not normal. I don't want to, to live in a country that considers me inferior and I need to kiss the hand of my oppressor because that's the only way I can survive.
0: So Israel, I mean, I, um, by the way, my mom's cousin who lives in Jerusalem was dating a guy who's Palestinian and then the wall went up and then that and got in the working. way. Yeah. yeah. It's a real buzz kill. It's a real uh, kills the romance. But yeah. um
1: like here I break up with someone if they're in a five story walk up. Right,
0: or another borough. You know? and right, right. Imagine right.
1: now you got a wall between you. I mean there's just Forget no it. it's not gonna happen.
2: You're like my lungs give out when I'm walking up those five steps. <laughs> just so, separating families, steps. separating loved ones, separating but not only that, if you marry that person you, you have to go if you marry if you a Jew marry an Arab mm-hmm. or a Palestinian from Israel with citizenship marry an Arab According to the law of citizen entry, you are not, you will never be granted basically a reunion. You will never be granted and extend that, which is er, normal in every country. Like you don't like, get the citizenship? You never, will never. Her and her children will never get the no. citizenship because her husband or, or... That's not going to happen. But if you are a Jew from anywhere in the world, right. you will be granted immediately citizenship and anything. I mean, we are basically... Celebrating segregation right. and racism. This is, I cannot call it anything else. And if Israel will become a par and apartheid state, I mean, it pains me. But it's the choices that my politicians made over the years of basically annexation of the whole land. Yeah. But they want to annex the land, but not the people we have millions of people living under martial laws. Jeffrey,
0: Jeff Halper, who's not related to me that I know of, um, who started the, what is it, international... it's, it's an anti-demolition group. They yes. like they get in front of the houses, houses. before they're going to be demolished. They try to stop it. But he said the Zionists, you know, I hate the word Zionist, by the way. We need a new world, word because it just reminds me of like the 30s where people use that as any Jew, you know. Yeah. But anyway, the Zi- I call them hawkish Zionists. He says hawkish Zionists are the ones who have who made Israel's survival the most impossible because of the way they divided it up.
2: Well, look, when you have Sheldon Addison giving millions of dollars uh, to to Trump, and then I think he's the guy that talked at the Atlantic, um, oh no, it's the Brookings Institute, and he said, yeah, throw a, a liberal bomb, s- throw a bomb on Iran, throw an atomic bomb on the Iranians, um, and who cares about democracy, even if we don't have democracy, who cares about that? Well, he must. Probably he doesn't care, but everybody else does. Uh, 70% of the people are under 30. What do you think of what system they want to live in? South Africa, yeah. where people are living or sitting on a beach and being, and, and you know, instead of enjoying their lives and their freedom and their liberties and their rights, they're concerned that their neighbor who has nothing, who's denied nothing, will come out and kill them. Is that the kind of... That's the threat. That is... The existential threat that we will live in—people who are segregated and and basically excluded from everything, and harassed and hammered and oppressed—will rise up because that is the natural the natural order. People were born free, whether you are in the desert. In in in, I mean, why did the the whole Babylonian uh, basically uprising that the Jew led, rightly so, led against oppression? Do you think anybody else will not lead that? anybody that oppressed sooner or later will stand up
0: right uh what do you think of b d s by the way
2: look i uh, obviously we need to find solutions and ways uh to basically challenge the occupation uh i mean i clearly i think in South africa it worked it if it wasn't for the sanctions uh crippling economic sanctions, they would never had basically conceded I th- i love um, um there's one one quote that I always repeat, and it's really, never cons- power never concede right. anything without a demand, never did and never will. Frederick, Frederick Douglass. Douglas, right. Who's who doing said, great work. Great <laughs> work. <right. laughs> According to President Trump. Exactly, yeah. great work. He doesn't know even who the guy is, or not even mention one quote. And he said, um, basically, a struggle must be a struggle. It can be moral and it can be physical, but it must be a struggle, because power never concedes anything without demand, never did and never will. And I believe that. Power never power never concede anything it must be a demand I don't think they are anti-Semit uh the accusation is false uh I believe we need to boycott absolutely some illegal settlement in mm. the West Bank uh, whatever illegal activity need to be boycotted wherever in the world right I boycott any illegality in this country in America why wouldn't I be able to or allowed to boycott anything? Because oh yeah,
0: well that's absurd. Trying to ban the book, the, yeah.
2: Banning a book is it's I insanity. mean, banning the
0: boycott. I'm saying that. But it's
2: yeah. it's, it's absurd. Even right. uh, I think J Street, which is J against Street, BDS, exactly. came out against it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Look, people need Palestinians, and this is we go back to Assad and what we said about JFK. If you, those who make nonviolent revolution impossible. Pave the way for violent revolutions and basically make violent revolution inevitable. You choose and you right. pick. You cannot constrain people, strip them of their rights, oppress them, brutalize them, terrorize them, and say, oh, boycotting illegality of the settlements is not good. I don't want it. Well, duh.
0: Right. What about BDS? We actually we had Karima Stefan, who edited this book called um, Assuming Boycott. Yes. Which is all about boycott. And he and his, you know, the it's an anthology defending
2: the boycott and BDS. Even um, Michael Wise, CNN contributor, uh, basically agreed with boycotting the settlement. Right. That's, that's a Peter. Be- is Peter
0: Beinart still? Because I know there was a, a difference between um, boycotting settlements. Right. And boycotting all of Israel. Where do you come down on that?
2: I think, uh, I, I don't know about Peter. I don't remember his position. I think boycotting any illegality is fair and square. Because as Karim was
0: saying, well, there's, it's all illegal. That's is his point. You the know, occupation you is illegal. Yeah. Uh,
2: basically, the settlements are illegal. The They're like extra is illegal. illegal. Martial yeah, laws are right. illegal. Look, if, if today as we speak, uh, South African government or let's say a European government start oppressing Jewish minorities in Europe, I'll be the first to boycott that right. government. Yeah, Not only by cut their illegality, what they are doing, but basically speak against it full throat. And I don't identify people as Jews and non-Jews and Muslims and non-Muslims. Human being, a human being. Wherever right. they are oppressed, we need to stand up for them.
0: Right. My thing, is the only thing I, I, I'm torn over, not BDS in general, the only thing I'm torn over is the academic part.
2: That's the only thing that I'm... I, uh, look and I me too actually because I work in academia and and uh, obviously it's very hard um, norit Pellet, who's the woman that she teaches at uh, Hebrew University in in Jerusalem and I, I think she wrote the most extensive work um, about the occupation and how the segregation in the education system and she talked about the segregated schools but how, how Arab are depicted in in uh, in academia Arab are depicted or like Bedouin without the nationality or as terrorist, Mm -hmm. an existential threat we need to challenge these views in any kind of way I'm not saying to boycott the intellectuals and journalists and others Uh, obviously uh, Gideon Levy in her rights is very pushed like we need to boycott everything people have to find their equilibrium and what they're comfortable with I'm comfortable with boycotting illegality wherever that exists whether it's in the occupied territory or in Timbuktu let's be clear about that
1: no Israeli hummus for me yeah, no so. Sabra
2: hummus, right? Yeah. Uh, that's the brand, yeah. No, I mean, but I think People that are ill-informed. I mean, if we inform them of what's going on... It's not on, even good.
0: We should do a taste test. We have yeah. to find the best non-Israeli hummus. Well, the best Israeli hummus
2: is at my home. Okay, there we'll do. <laughs> You're welcome. We'll call it Rula's an Hummus. And I can make the best hummus whenever you are welcome to come to my home. Uh, but what I wanted just to, to add, one, one last thing that for me is important, an Israeli citizen who is ethnically Palestinian, we're fighting for the soul of democracy and for the rule of law.
1: I think I've seen the light on the yeah, show.
0: I know. He's, he came in this morning as a, as a uh, he came in today as a near-lip. He's leaving as a communist. Okay. I,
1: I, I wanted to, I came in uh, thinking that we should have moderate intervention in other countries to help a uh, 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 spread democracy right. and I hated Russia when I and walked in he the loves door. Now Russia. And now I can't get enough of Russia and the only place that I laugh is when I watch Redacted on RT. Right. And, Lee Ham um...
0: show. And, Lee, and Gabe, is, he came in with this um, Greek coffee cup, you know, like a Greek diner coffee cup with the nice with the beautiful pillars and his Aztec shirt and now he's actually changed into a, uh, a Soviet outfit and he has like a, a Lenin mustache and goatee on that's it that's it uh oh wait now he's taking it off he just put on a white wig uh oh there's an ice pick coming out of his back looking good oh wait now he just shriveled one of his arms dark mustache stalin papa joe thanks so much for listening to the katie helper show the katie helper show is produced by florence burrow adams with help from joshua bregman our theme song is by the ballet Make sure you save the date for our next live taping, and that date is December 7th. It will be 8 p.m. at the Brooklyn Commons at 388 Atlantic Avenue, and we will be having guests Kath Barbato and Judah Friedlander. We'll be talking to comedians about the sexual harassment and sexual assault problem within the comedy scene. Again, that's December 7th. 8 p.m. at the Brooklyn Commons, 388 Atlantic Avenue. Please rate and review us on iTunes, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. I'm KT Helps. That's letter K, letter T, H-A-L-P-S. Gabe is Gabe underscore Pacheco. Use the hashtag KT Show. That's letter K, letter T, H-A-L-P-S-H-O-W.